How you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Awesome. I, I love that. Love the energy. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Drew Lang. I'm the youth pastor here at Golfside Church. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but last week was Father's Day. All the fathers, can I hear you in the house? You know, that was a lot better because first service was like dead quiet. And I was like, there's no dads in here. Dang. But no, there are. Uh, you know, look, I didn't preach last week, but I feel like I need to do this. In the honor of Father's Day, we're going to say some dad jokes in here. How many of you guys like dad jokes? Just two. <laughs> that is usually how it happens. My wife doesn't like dad jokes at all. So every single time I say them, she just looks at me, and I just know that like I'm digging my own grave. A bit deeper every single time. But you know what? It's my sermon, so I can do what I want. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Ready for dad joke number one. How do you stop a bull from charging? You cancel its credit card. All right. Man, Sounds like no one likes these. I'm in the hot seat now. All right, number two. This might be better, okay? How do you follow Will Smith in the mud? You follow the Fresh Prince. (laughs) Those are great. I got two more, okay? (laughs) What do you call a line of men waiting to get haircuts? A barber queue. Oh, man. Does anyone else feel awkward right now? (laughs) Okay, I got one more. This is, my, this is my favorite one. Best dad joke ever. Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Well, if they fly over the bay, they'll be bagels. <laughs> uh, I, for those of you that hate dad jokes, I'm sorry. Um, it's not my fault. Well, it is. I actually planned on saying those. But you know what? Maybe one day you'll like them. Uh, but it's sad if you don't. Now, I'll tell you what, though. Dad jokes are easy. I love dad jokes because you can just say it and everyone laughs. Unless you're me, then half the audience laughs and the other half is like, get off stage. Uh, (laughs) But that's not my favorite type of joke, okay? I love long-form, multi-paragraph, like five-minutes jokes where, you know, you know, you know the comedians that can do this, like uh, Brian Regan or maybe Jim Gaffigan or maybe for some of you it would be... Dave Chappelle, you know, these guys that can say jokes for like minutes on end and you're just waiting for that punchline and you're like, oh, are they going to go now? And then every single time it just like hits you in the gut, you know, like, oh, those are my favorite jokes. I love those jokes so much. And I also love them because I'm terrible at saying them. Uh, They take a lot of patience, a lot of setup, a lot of nuance. And I have none of that, Uh, especially the patience part. I, I don't have patience enough to say a joke for five minutes for one punchline. I want things fast. I want, like, a good dad joke is just, like, a sentence. It's perfect. It's perfect. We don't need paragraphs for jokes. We need sentences. So I like my dad jokes because I don't have patience. <sighs> I don't have patience. And maybe you're like me, and maybe you don't have patience. Now, that, that might be a bit weird to say, the pastor on the stage saying that he doesn't have patience, but uh, don't worry, we're, we're going to get somewhere. I think the reason why a lot of us don't have patience or struggle with patience is because that's the way the world works. And what do you mean by that? Well, very simply, this is an iPhone 13. This is my iPhone 13. I didn't just take this from some random person. This is my phone. And I've learned that the iPhone... A new one comes out, and then six months later, it's a new color, green. And every single time, without fail, in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe I really want green. I mean, it's a new f- Do I really need this? I need a new phone. I need, I need green. 
And then next year, they'll probably come out with gold or chartreuse or something like that. And every single time, even if I hate the color, I'm kind of like, maybe I need it. I mean, it's new. It's new. Maybe for some of you, it's not even the new color of the phone. It's that you got an iPhone 12, and this phone works completely fine. There's no issues with this. But when the 13 comes out, drop that money, buying the new phone. I mean, we all feel this, right? Like, when the new phone comes out, your phone just suddenly looks a bit older, a little more dated. And statistically, oftentimes, these phones are the exact same. A little bit better processing power, maybe a new app or a new feature. But they all text. They all do the internet. They all have all the same apps. They're pretty similar. But in the back of our mind, aren't we kind of like, the new phone's better by like a, land, a landslide. Like, it's a huge difference. Or maybe that's not you. Maybe it's cars. Like, oh, I love cars. But every single time the, new, the newest like, truck or the newest car comes out, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I kind of need that. Even if you have a 2019 car, a 2020 car just sounds so much better. Doesn't it? I mean, realistically, a car just goes to places, and usually they all have AC, hopefully, especially here. But like the difference between the 2019 and the 2020 usually isn't that big of a deal, but it's new. And by Joe, I like new things. And we all feel this urge, right? We all feel this urge to get new things. And I don't think it's bad, but it is something noticeable. And I think there's two reasons why this is. One, we have a natural capacity for new things. But two, and, and more importantly, the reason why the car industry for uh, the car uh, advertising industry is $12.42 billion a year. The reason why they put so much money into that, every time, they pry on your patience. I mean, think about it. Your car is just fine, but you really need the new car. And not just any time, you need it now. So what if your car works perfectly? A new car now. It gets your patience. It tries your patience every single time. And sometimes, you know, you do need new cars, but it's always attacks getting a new thing and attacking your patience. I think that's just the way that the world works. That's the way marketing works. That's oftentimes the way that we view schooling, and maybe sometimes friends and family, just lack of patience. And here's the issue. That's the way the world works, and then you become a Christian. And God doesn't always work that way. The world says, get what you want immediately. You deserve it, don't you? And oftentimes I've noticed, God usually doesn't give you what you want immediately. In fact, oftentimes he, he promises things, and then he'll take maybe days, maybe months, maybe years to deliver. I mean, this isn't a new phenomenon. This has been throughout the Bible. Take, for example, Moses called to leave the people out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of captivity. How old was he? 87. How many of you want to do something finally at 87? Yeah. No one. <laughs> what about Abraham? You know, he's the father of our faith. He, you know, created the entire nation of Israel. Do you realize that he was promised to have kids when he was 80 and that he actually didn't have a kid till he was 100? I didn't even know that was possible. 20 years, though. To put this in perspective, I'm 25. That's like me getting a promise when I'm five and now just having it happen. 
But isn't this often, this often happens, doesn't it? You get a promise from God. And it never happens on your timeline. I think one reason why we feel this so deeply is is simple. We lack patience. So today I want to answer three questions. The first one is, why do we even need patience? Is it really that important? Second one, do we even get patience from God? How do we even do that? And the third one, does it really matter and can it apply to anything else? So let's start simple. Everyone pull out your Bibles to Psalm 23. And if you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen. Now, if you've been in church for at least five years, you probably have a mug with this on it. Maybe you have uh, a pillow, maybe a curtain or something. Or at the very least, you, you know this verse. Heck, even it was my very first sermon that I preached like three years ago. But it's pretty simple. We'll, we'll start with verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Really? I lack nothing? Well, I don't always feel like I lack nothing. In fact, I feel like I need something and I need it now. Isn't like the song from J.G. Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW? But you need cash now. Like, it, it is in our marketing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, that's a great passage to preach on. Either you choose to lie down or God will make you lie down. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness. Now, we hear all of this and we think, man, it sounds like God really thinks we're amazing. I mean, we're great. He, he does all of this? He restores my soul. I mean, who doesn't do that if you think you're great? Hold on a second. Why does he do this? Verse 3, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So, hear me out here. God does not do all this moving, all this promising on the fact that you're great. He does it because he's great. He puts the weight on him. And man, that's great because I am a screw-up. I mess up all the time. You can ask my wife about how many times I mess up. It is quite consistent. And one day my kids, when they're older, they will know dad messes up a lot. But I do. I lose patience all the time. And then when I read that verse, I realize a very crucial fact, and and, and please follow me with this. If God is for God, and he... He, when he promises something, he doesn't promise on your ability to succeed, but on his, and he never changes, and he never fails, then why do I worry? Why am I afraid? Why am I anxious? I think usually we treat patience like a Polaroid. What do, you, what, do I, what do you mean by this? Well, this is a Polaroid photo. Everyone that's over the age of 30 has probably taken at least one of these. And when you take one, What is the very first thing you do? And the funny thing is that you you see it in movies, and this was so popular that they even made it a song. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. But do you realize that the actual company Polaroid came out with a statement in 2004, and they said that you shouldn't actually do that. You shouldn't shake the photo. It it doesn't increase the time at all. It, It still develops the exact same amount of time, whether you're shaking it or not. In fact, if you try to shake this photo, 
you'll actually ruin the color of the photo. You trying to make things work on your own faster than it's actually going to happen actually destroys the end product. But so often we treat our faith like this. God, why aren't you moving? Come on! You know what? If I just do this... And what you don't realize is that when you take control out of God's hands and try to do things your own way, all you're doing is ruining the product and usually it never satisfies as much as it could when God provides it on his terms. The time doesn't change. The photo still develops the exact same way. But maybe you're like me and so often I expect God to move and after a couple months of waiting or maybe a year or two of waiting, I just start trying to do things my own way. Sooner or later, sooner or later, I've noticed that every single time anyone has ever done this in my life, it's never been as satisfying as when God provides on his own. It's never as satisfying. Maybe you treat your faith like a Polaroid. We're called to have patience. So if God promises us something, it's on his timeline, and he may give us that promise. We don't have to try to force our way. We don't have to try to make something happen out of it. God will provide on his time at the right time. Can you trust him? And not do it your way, which, no offense if it's like me, kind of sucks. I mean, let's be honest. Who's our biggest adversary? Ourselves. Who's lied to you the most? Probably you. Who's tried to get things done the most? Probably you. If you're like me, I am my own worst enemy oftentimes, trying to force a square peg into a circle hole. Doesn't really work, does it? We need patience. And when we focus on who God is, on the character that he is, how he's never failed us. And if he's never failed us, why would he start now? Then we can get patience because we know that he'll win at the end of the day. He'll provide. And if he'll always provide and he never changes, then what do I have to fear? Why do I worry? In fact, it's better because he has never failed. Will you trust him? So I, I think we all understand that. I think we get that for the most part. And if you go into a church, you probably have heard the message of, you know, trust God with your plans, have patience there. And I think we all understand that. And that's fine. And that's an excellent point. But where I really want to take it today is something completely different. I think we need to have patience in every aspect of our life, specifically with the way that you treat others. What do I mean by that? Okay, let's go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Most of you that have grown up in church have probably heard this at least once in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a song about it. Uh, I've been in kids' church a few too many times, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's be honest, though. Some of those are really nice. I mean, who doesn't want to be loved? No one in this audience is raising their hand like, I just want to be hated. Everyone wants to be loved at some point. And joy, I mean, we all love joy, right? And don't get me started about peace. I mean, we all need some peace right now. In the last five years, we need some peace. Those are easy, but no one in their life has said, you know what, I really want patience. 
In fact, I actually had a student that said this. They're like, I don't want to get patience. It takes too long. And I'm like, exactly. You don't have patience. What I've really noticed, though, is that this might be a little offensive, but sorry. Um, it's not that hard to love someone once. It's really not that hard. Someone gives you a million dollars, you'll love them for like 10 seconds. <laughs> what about joy? It's really easy to have joy once when everything's great. What about peace? Same. It's easy to have peace once, but that's not what we're called to do. That's not who we're called to be as a Christian. Let's, let's show what the standard is for how we show the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteousness and the unrighteous. And listen to this final part. So good. If you love those who love you, what reward will that get you? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Are not even the murderers in this town doing that? What about those that rob people? Don't they just love people that love them back? That's not hard. That's not difficult. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So here's where I want to take this. It's not difficult to love someone that's nice to you, but we are called to love our enemies. And the only way we can do that is with patience. Because let me tell you, if you try to do it on your own without God's patience, <laughs> good luck. One day, you'll hit the end of yourself. And I'm a dad of twins. They're one year old. I found very quickly yesterday, I, I found the end of myself. I came into the playroom and my daughter decided it would be so much fun if she just took off her diaper and threw all the condiments of said diaper everywhere. But to make matters worse, my son, he's such a cute little boy, and he just goes in and he's like, you know what? Let me roll myself in said condiments. <laughs> I love those kids, but that day was a hard day for me. And I spent an hour and 30 minutes cleaning the floors of this place. And I'm like, oh man, these kids better go to sleep right now. <laughs> it was bad. I found the end of myself very fast. And it's really easy to love those kids when they're being nice, but when they poop all over the wall, it's not fun. I'm called to love them when they're that way too, aren't I? That takes some patience. And let me tell you, you're called to love your family, your spouse, your coworkers, especially that annoying one that always talks to you when you don't want to talk to you because it's too early in the morning. Everyone. You're called to love everyone. You're called to have joy, even in the good times and the bad. Peace. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And let me tell you, if you don't have the patience from God, it is almost impossible to do that on your own. So maybe you're 
in the same spot that I am, where you recognize, man, it's really easy to have patience and love people that you really like, but those people that you do not like, it's really difficult. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and that's the standard. I pray that you grow in your patience so that you can do that. Let me make this really practical. This is a fake plant. It is not real. Let's say it is real. A real plant does not grow by me screaming at it. I know. Shocker. So let's give it a try. Grow! I don't think it worked. One more more time? Okay. One more time. Grow! Still didn't work. Um, Maybe if I come back tomorrow and, and do the same thing and just scream at it, like, then it will grow. Now, how many of you have ever raised a plant before in your life? Raised a plant. It is a commitment. It takes time. <laughs> I'm terrible at raising plants. My wife is amazing at it because she realizes it takes two things, water and sunlight, and you have to do that consistently. And then my natural reaction when things don't go my way is to yell. So when I see a plant dying, my natural response is just to be like, stop dying, get better. And oftentimes, don't we treat our problems like this? Instead of having the patience to sit with it, to feed it the correct ingredients, to take time with it, don't we just get angry? And then expect that when that thing does not happen, when it doesn't work, we'll come back the very next day and do the exact same thing, expecting a different result. When in reality, it needs water and it needs sunlight. How much? Consistently, every day, over time. So I'm just going to tell you this. It's not hard to love someone once. It's hard to do it every day. It's not hard to be like, you know what? I want to get my life right with God and I want to start reading my Bible. And I, and I get that. And those are good things and you should do that. And it's okay if you mess up. But don't kid yourself. If you do this once and think that it will grow on its own, you're kidding yourself. If you think that you can come to church on just Sunday and give your life to Jesus on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday is your day, you can do whatever you want, don't kid yourself. In the same way that you'll kill a plant that way, just feeding it once, you can kill your faith that way. So how do you grow patience? Consistency. Every single day. Dive into the Bible. Pray. Read your word. Have time with people that are better at than you are consistently. And I know that sounds hard because oftentimes we hear in church like, man, God loves you so much that he saved you from where you're at. And that's true. He loves you so much that no matter what you've done, he has saved you from that. But he also loves you so much that he doesn't want to keep you the same way that you are right now. And if you treat your faith and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and patience like a once a week thing, that's what you'll get. There's a beautiful line. I forgot who told me this. It's a beautiful scholar. I said this on Wednesday night. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Maybe I'm terrible at basketball. If nothing changes, 
nothing changes. I'm terrible at speaking. If nothing changes, nothing changes. I treat my wife terribly. If nothing changes, nothing changes. I'm not patient. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So far be it of me, far be it of us, if we came in here every single week and acted like this was enough. Far be it that we acted like this is all God wanted. Truthfully, God wants every aspect of your life. Everything and nothing less. Worship band, you can come on up. And it might seem annoying. It might seem like it takes a lot of effort. It might be really hard. And you know, honestly, it gets tiring. And I get that. It can be really difficult to be patient, especially when people don't deserve it. But we're not always called to do the easy thing. I got my first youth pastor job offer when I was 19. 19. It was my first year in school. My very first offer, and I was super excited about it. I was totally going to take this job. I mean, it's a job offer. What's wrong with that? I can actually pay for my school. And I realized really quickly, as I was praying about taking this offer, a few people came up to me and they're like, you know, this isn't right. Uh, you want to be a youth pastor, you're called to be a youth pastor, but this is you trying to take something and you're not ready. And let me tell you, that was hard to hear. Because I mean, who wants to be told that you suck? No one does. But I took it to heart. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I am ready. Doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't understand it yet, but I need to wait. And I remind myself what I told you guys. If God never changes and he keeps his promise, then what do I have to worry about? So I went back to school my second year and I thought, man, this is the time I'm ready to be a youth pastor. No. And I decided, you know what? I feel like I'm called to be an intern, which I'm not excited about because that means I'm going to be working for free. Okay, I'll do it. And I thought that maybe after a year, It'd be my time. I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm ready for it. No. And I, I got to a point where I realized I didn't necessarily care about the job. I cared about the title. I cared about the money. I cared about being that guy. And it took four years for God to break my heart and make me realize I'm doing this for the wrong reasons and I don't have enough patience. And if I took that job when I was 19, that church would have crashed and burned easily. But after two years of internship, I, I worked through all my really deep seed issues that had to be immediately dealt with. And I was content and ready to be where God wanted me to be. And I didn't necessarily care about the title anymore. And then I got a phone call and said that Paul wanted to hire me. Mind you, I had no idea who Paul was. Never met the guy in my life. Now, looking back, I'm glad it took that long. It taught me one thing. I don't ever want to get in the way of God's plan. 
I want it to be on his timing, his way. Because when I try to force it, it's just a counterfeit. It's not actually what it could be. And now sitting back, getting on this job, being here for about three years, working on a fourth, all I can think about is, oh, I'm so thankful that it happened the right way. So I don't know what you're going through in your life. And I can tell you right now, being patient is difficult. It's hard. It's not easy. Showing love to people that don't deserve it consistently every single day is really annoying sometimes. But it's one of the best pursuits you can do. So I don't know what you're going through. But we can all grow a little bit in patience, can't we? I can get better at this. That the next time my kids do that again, instead of leaning right towards anger, okay, this is the time where I show love. It's time where I'm joyful. Peace. So maybe you're in the fight of your life right now. Maybe you don't know how you're going to make it through. Maybe this is your first time in church and you're like, there's this tall, skinny white guy that's just like screaming at a plant. This is the weirdest church ever. Maybe you've been here consistently for a very long time. And the way that this is applied to you may be different. But personally for me, as I was writing this sermon, as I was thinking about it, I, all I could think about is, man, I can get better at this. I can grow in patience. I can get better at treating my friends and family with patience. So in the way that God is speaking to you, I urge that you answer. We can all get a little better. Just remember, it takes everything, every part of you and nothing less. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, so often in my life, I have tried to force my way into things. I've tried to have it my own way. And as I get older, I realize that waiting on you and your timing is the best thing that I can do. It never fails. You always come at the right time. And oftentimes I just stop trusting that. So Lord, I pray for myself that I get better at, at just trusting you, believing in your promises. Lord, I pray for anyone in here that's been dealing with that. I pray that we all just get a little better at being patient. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, but Lord, I praise you for what you're about to do.